That reminds me of that article you sent me where they were talking about, you know, what's cool and stuff, and we can get into it, but... Wait, what? Are, oh, uh... Like, like Joel, things that used to not be cool. Joel Danzig's... Yeah. Uh, uh, esoteric Electric? I don't remember what it's called. It's yeah. a fairly long-running premier guitar column, which I read. And he said that the... Uh, which I haven't found, but he said the curly chords don't sound as good... Like he said something like it sounded like it made it sound drastically worse. That's that's a pretty well-known thing, my friend. It's funny cuz I've got two curly cords from the 70s and they're really thick. They sound awesome. You're, but you're a bass player, bud. Just bass here on the top end. And I'm not running through anything. Oh, so it's the top end. It's so one of the well-known things was that uh, Hendrix when he would record, would play with a short, straight cable mm-hmm. directly into his Marshall. Which makes sense, because the shortest path is what you want, right? Well, what happens, and then live, he would use a, a long curly cable, and you introduce extra capacitance when you mm-hmm. use that long curly cable. Mm. And it, in effect, essentially makes your sound maybe a little more dull, a little less top-end, is how people tend to, tend to describe that. So uh, let's just get into it. This is number 10. Episode 10. I know, and you and you just realized that right before we were getting started. I think. Uh, well, I, re- I reminded re- myself, re- re-realized, mm-hmm. and uh, I didn't. I didn't want to spoil the surprise, or the, I guess I would say the excitement. Yeah, because I feel excited about it too. Dude, we fucking knocked Dude. out ten of these. Well, I mean, well, I guess if we don't, if we don't die during this one, we will have knocked out. 10 we of will them. have released ten unless like the internet goes down or something. Yeah. Um, I, this is a huge milestone, man. I agree. I, I was going to say we should uh, throw in a party, but we kind of did just like grill out some some dogs. And we grilled dogs, some beers right having now. a beer. This this podcast is not sponsored by Miller High Life. High Life, the champagne of beers, and we know how I feel about bubbles. I know you love those champagnes. I liked your picture the other day, too. That was I know, right? Yeah. I just I thought I looked good, uh, <laughs> and I have a fresh tan. So I was like, well, here's me in my new kitchen. I'm yeah. going uh, to post it on the internet. And, and, and I didn't want to feel too much vanity, so I didn't post it on my personal account. Yeah. I went with the gear hunks as kind of like a little yeah. uh, hey let's keep let's keep our fans engaged while also engaging my own ego i'm gonna filter my most vain pictures through the gear hunks page so it, it looks like maybe you posted it maybe i posted it, maybe our producer posted it who knows i insist and i feel like you kind of did that that w- there one of the pictures where you look all handsome playing guitar yeah that was episode two uh artwork that might have been three or three whatever yeah it was yeah you're right two was the p base i think three was that one? Oh, right, right, right. Totally. Yeah, but, yeah. Mandy took that photo, and then I was like, "She's like, you look really good in this picture." And I was like, "Yeah, it'll be the that'll be the one, the cover, the for cover the, for number three. Yeah. And and that's I'm I'm all about it. Thanks, man. We Let's are just, gear hunks. I mean, we got to show ourselves once in a while. We've got to stick to our brand, right, <laughs> dude? So I was uh, in in I guess not in honor of the ten episode, but for the first time, I decided to actually check out all of our analytics <laughs> from the website, from the different podcast hosters and whatnot, mm-hmm. and we've got a lot more engagement on the website than I thought we did. Really, and and the interesting thing about the Squarespace analytics is it a lot, and I guess probably most digital analytics in general. But you can see really kind of granular detail about the visitors, mm-hmm. so I can break out, you know, how many people have come to the different pages, where they come from specifically, which is the interesting part. Like the location we've got our obviously the United States is the highest yeah. amount of people vis- the visitors that we have had come in by probably it's like eighty percent or eighty five percent. But the number two country, I want you to guess the number two country where our listeners well, come from. It better be Sweden because I think we have at least one. Not even in up. the top 10. Wow. Number two is Japan. Really? At least 10 unique, over 10 unique visitors have come from Japan. How is that happening? Do you think it's like the hashtags and stuff that we use? I don't know how all this it works. It could be, but I, I haven't checked the referral sources. I think some of it's coming from... No, I have, in fact, checked the referral sources. A lot of it comes from Facebook okay. somehow, which I don't feel like we do all that much on Facebook. We kind of just mirror what we do on Instagram yeah, on Facebook. Yeah, it gets a couple likes, so uh, I don't know. And, and by far, the most amount have been mobile. Oh, that's cool. on their phones. Yeah. So, you know, that just kind of reaffirms everything we know about I remember when I would, day and age. I was... Uh, when I was working the day job and, and doing the podcast listening, a lot of the times I would do it on my phone. So use my phone, just kind of tuck it away and then just keep the headphone in, you know, that was that I couldn't, I, I would never in a million years would I have thought Japan. So shout out to our Japanese listeners. What's up? Konnichiwa. Konnichiwa, Japan. Super excited to visit someday. Maybe we Man. can talk gear there. Me too. Me too. Love um, your, uh, love your fenders. Love it. Love, love our, it. Love our Japanese listeners. Curious. Have, you know, obviously this is number 10. We've been doing this for a couple months now. Mm-hmm. 
Is there anything that you feel like hasn't worked in on reflection things that we've gone like that we've done or is there, or is there anything you feel like we've actually like improved and you know just time for a hmm. little bit of a I know I know self uh, judgment is not the easiest thing to do necessarily and I'm just springing sure. this on you but I'm wondering if there's anything that you've kind of noticed is is working really well or hasn't worked or maybe we've gotten better at I mean I think we're just cast. getting better over the overall back and forth I, I think I mean um, I hope I hope we have dedicated listeners that have done every episode but uh yeah, I mean, it's it's basically one of those things where I think you just get better the more you do it, obviously. As I literally just punch a microphone. Well, the first, see, we I think the first episode went really well. There it is. Not a high life. The, um, the first episode went really well, and I think that kind of like was like, oh, we could actually do this. And yeah, even there, was that some, was, there were some nerves involved, for sure. Nerves. So I was like, is this going to be stupid? Why are we even doing this? Yeah, and a little bit we? of like, you know, I guess we talk over each other anyways sometimes, and like, it doesn't seem too distracting. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, dude, I just want to keep moving in this direction, I think. So right on. Yeah. Is there anything, what do you think? I don't, well, I would say the, I would, I definitely agree with what you've been saying. I think uh, from the more technical end, I've gotten more comfortable with editing Yeah. as well and, and efficient with it. So it takes less time and mm-hmm. I kind of know what to look for. Uh, I think I've become a lot more self-aware of saying the word like or doing like <laughs> as i say like doing mouth pops in the, the th- that which i'm going to edit out so people don't have to listen to it uh could leave that one in just for a sample of what we're talking about oh i've left enough in for where people can go <laughs> back and know. reference if they want i think the the signal chain yeah. I, I have done a lot of experimenting with and i feel pretty comfortable about where it is now mm-hmm. um yeah, I don't know. So the overall audio quality, I think, is improved, and and also then I, I I'm also looking forward to kind of what we do next and um, getting more guests on, which yeah. are we've got a few in in the pipeline right now, which is super exciting. I'm some, really excited some, about some that. listeners that are also awesome gear folks. Um, not to we're not going to spoil anything. Mm-hmm. We'll keep it exciting mm-hmm. in case they're listening. Also, then that <laughs> way, if we if we haven't committed to a date yet, then we uh, we leave ourselves <laughs> we don't a little have to feel bad if we decide at the last second we don't want them on anymore. And then honestly, I you know. I've been talking about it a lot. We've been talking about it a lot. I'm excited to take the leap into video, not necessarily for the podcast, but for the, the gear hunks world. Yeah. Uh, that's going to, that within the next week, I'm planning on getting that going. I've got your camera and my camera mm-hmm. and all the, the audio stuff ready to Dude, go. I'm, I'm pumped. I want to be part of that too. Oh, you will. Um, what, what's cool about that is we've, we've watched so many gear videos, especially homemade ones. You know, I think reverb does a killer job. They probably have the best gear videos. Dude, did you just realize that you're, you're totally jumping ahead to a later topic? No, that I wanted to discuss. I, I can we not can necessarily we, right now, but I, we could, let's if you get want, into it. I was going to, one thing I wanted to talk about was some of our favorite YouTube gear channels. Okay. Um, well before we like, I guess as part of the segue, um, we do watch a lot and I, we've all seen those really homemade ones where he's like, my biggest thing is when the guy talks for too long, mm-hmm. he's like, this is the new, you know, boss OC two. And it's, this is the what new it does. Boss OC2. And they talk about it. Yeah. It's that would the, be an old video. OC three. Well, yeah, it's filmed on a potato. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and a lot of those are really bad quality too. Like they won't yeah. even mic anything. It'll just be like the room and a cell phone. Dude, which, quick aside, actually, yeah. I was just reading an article recently because I have over the last, six months to a year have completely immersed myself in all things YouTube and understanding, trying to understand everything about it. Anyways, read an article about how there are all these old, you know, 240p up to 480p videos that just like kind of look and sound like poo poo. Mm -hmm. They're currently working on ways to actually restore all that stuff and, and sort of up res it for today's YouTube. Okay. So that all that awesome content that was shot in four, three for uh, ratio uh, aspect ratio and low resolution, all that crap is now actually viable again, especially like really, but it's old, it's old footage. It's old footage and and old uploads specifically. You can always take, you know, some old film 24 or whatever film and, 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 rip that in a high resolution and then upload it digitally in a high resolution. But this is stuff that was uploaded in a poor resolution there or, you know, however many years ago, I don't even know. Yeah, I think YouTube's that? YouTube's 10 now. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's fancy. You know what it reminds me of? And this used to bug the shit out of me. I used to joke about this at work where, um, like you ever watch like CSI and they capture like the grainy footage of enhance. the guy and they go, go ahead and zoom in and enhance the photo. And then you can see his face perfectly. I mean, is that essentially what we're talking about in a way? Yeah, well, yeah. So the, artificial intelligence has gotten good enough now where you can it, it can figure what that i mean photoshop's been doing that for years with the like clone, like mask or clone thing where you can like remove something and then it just like auto 
pixels what the background yeah. should like it's that kind of idea but it's actually just, adding pixels adding resolution yeah. is that's a whole nother ball of wax. and and especially with the audio too that's a really hard thing to do yeah uh, obviously the article didn't get into all the technical aspects i don't even know if youtube is revealing that necessarily this shit blows my mind I love i'm it. i'm pretty excited about that it i mean it you blew my mind last week when we talked about the um you know the um the post-production thing that you use where it oh x noise yeah x noise where it just cuts out unwanted sound i'm like how does it even find big um, old shout out to waves waves if you're listening you use a lot of your stuff love it would love to use more of it let's talk blow our minds more i'm gonna keep using it because i dig waves um i dig the waves waves it it yeah it, it reminds me of that and the um what was the one you were talking about where it's taking wave files and it's actually being able to separate instruments within one ah uh, yes uh, is that real it's called melodyne by Celimony. it's essentially fancier auto-tune and this has been also been around for years and it's getting better and better but i remember the first time i was at a nam show seeing a demo of that and it it blew my 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 little brain out of my ears. It basically you can take so auto tune only works on monophonic sources, meaning one note at a time, right? So like the human voice or a, you know a, a lead played on a single string on a guitar or violin, whatever. Melodyne can actually take chords and and complex polyphonic material and tune the stuff within that. Mm-hmm. So say you played a C minor chord and you actually want to play a C major chord, you can go into the waveform and raise the minor third to a major third, and all of a sudden you've got a major it's chord. Crazy. You can you can take one chord that somebody played and then basically kind of like map that all across a keyboard and then play all the different notes, like whatever you want with right. it. I would love to see a, vi- a physical, like like a diagram of how that even works, you know? I could show you in the software. Do they, I mean, I'm sure they you have like- can, You of, see it, yeah, mm-hmm. you kind of see like the fat waveform and mm-hmm. then it, and then it separates that out based what's called wow. the piano roll in like any software though like where you see the the keyboard going down the left side of the screen it separates it out across that that would also work then i guess with like auto tuning like uh, live harmonies or something like that if like one guy was flat and the other everyone else is on i mean yeah so it would have to be smart enough to know which harmonies you're trying to achieve right because the so that works based on chords because it knows all the different notes well in my experience with melodyne I've just seen it used manually. So you can go in there, the notes were whatever the chords were played. You can then go in in post and change it. Mm-hmm. There are of course then ways, and that's how those like vocal harmony pedal pedals made by, you know, Digitech and whatever. That's how those work. You essentially tell it, okay, I, or any harmonizer, you say, I'm going to be playing in whatever C major. Right. And then it knows, okay, these are the only seven notes that, we that can use. you can use and mm-hmm. go, to the closest one and then uh they'll often there will often be sort of like correction amount so it can either be hard correction 100 percent, meaning like you won't hear any of your original note if it's off it's mm-hmm. only going to lock in which is a little weird when it comes to things like vibrato right because you kind of want that way that's that t-pain effect kind of right that's a t-pain effect nice. and then you so you can adjust the the correction amount and then also the speed at which mm-hmm. it corrects so and you said you just either max instant, that out right or, and that's t-pain yeah, right. that's that sound and then you kind of use it a little less so a little more subtly to achieve more realistic type sounds which is what i do on everybody's not my recordings ever there is never any any (laughs) whatsoever there is there definitely is but the goal for me and i think unless it's a stylistic choice is to use it in a way that isn't noticeable that just enhances their performance and recording and and you know how i am i mean if if i think you saying something way weird i'm like just i'm just like do it again we're doing it again we're gonna yeah it's not just like we'll take the first draft and just go ahead and roll with it you know so we were talking about youtube yeah, we got back over to, to <laughs> so, auto tuning somehow. Um, okay, but I I wanted to I wanted the first thing I wanted to ask you about is if you've seen this you probably haven't because I just came out a couple of days ago on YouTube. Um, there are different guys that make guitars out of weird stuff. I've mm-hmm. seen there's this one guy. There are a lot of people are doing stuff with epoxy right now. I'm sure you've seen those videos where you make like a live edge wooden table and then you just like pour epoxy down the middle and then it looks like a river going through. Yeah, or whatever. there's right. a lot of different yeah. companies doing that kind of stuff with the guitar right now. Um, not even companies, just more like DIY people. Mm-hmm. There's this one guy who's gotten a little bit of fame. I can't remember his name offhand. Who's done it with colored pencils a few times, and it looks freaking cool. Really? <laughs> what I saw. How does one, it sound? It sounds good. And the dude, that dude, is a good player too. So like, he yeah. always demos it at the end. Um, I think you know, epoxy's pretty heavy. So like, that's that's a challenge. And whatever, we can talk about the tonality between heavy and light instruments. Yeah. But the one that I saw yesterday was a dude took 
noodles and then the pool noodles no like fucking oh, pasta? Like pasta noodles <laughs> poured made he bought a uh he bought a guitar kit i can't remember maybe tolman i don't remember he bought a, a guitar kit from somewhere like where you assemble it yourself and where you assemble it yourself finish yeah. the wood whatever he basically used it was a telly style body he used a telly body to make the mold and then poured an epoxy mold with noodles in it and then made the body out of noodles I, and I it's can't. awesome dude. what it's so badass That's he, he so was, good. and then of course he and then you know like any video you'd expect he, he then demos the audio at the end mm-hmm. and and it was pretty funny to as as a lover of puns i tickled myself when i thought of the fact that he was noodling on some noodles Noodling, that's the easy one <laughs> that's the easiest yeah. one that's well all my puns are I'm, easy I'm, yeah i'm terrible at puns man um wow so i've seen the 3d printed ones before the 3d yeah we ta- i think we talked about the ingve and we one. talked about the ingve one which was was that acrylic or something or no it was uh titanium titanium um, we talked about the Dan Armstrong last week. Acrylic, acrylic that's where that's that is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah that, I don't know, man. You know, call me traditional, you know, I like the wood, but I'm sure there's stuff out there. Have you, have you ever played like those metal Dobros or anything like that? Oh, resonators? Dude, that's, yeah. um, I absolutely w- need to own one. Yeah. Love the, nothing sounds like that. Right. It's just a super unique, cool thing. Um, the technology behind which is crazy. I mean, they were basically trying to build like, uh, analog speakers inside the instrument in you know the twenties or teens probably when those things came out probably not best for us to get into a full deep dobro resonator discussion right mm-hmm. now because I am far from an expert but yes I have played those and they, I think they sound awesome I think dude. they're cool yeah um, and you know I like those metal guitars I mean not only just heavy metal but like electrical guitar company for instance I've got their poster on my room back in there that's one of my dream instruments is to own an EGC they're they've basically taken the Reigns of Travis Bean, which is you is know, that the famous. one you sent me? And like, um, like I think like Joe Perry plays one. No, that was Zemitis. Zemitis, yeah, those were super cool. They those were metal body guitars or just like metal topped bodies. Electrical Guitar Company actually mills aluminum for the entire neck wow. and sometimes the body as well. Travis Bean was aluminum neck and wooden bodies, which so they still they actually own the copyrights to that now. Make some of that those those are insanely expensive thanks to people like. Steve Albini and, mm-hmm. and other uh, Travis Bean users from the 70s and 80s, I guess, since then. Um, but Electrical Guitar Company is definitely something I want to own. They're supposed to be very stable uh, and tonality is very similar to wood. However, the, I, the one thing I've heard about them is that when it comes to like uh, traveling, taking them on the road, they're they're not susceptible to change with the weather, but it, they will hold the temperature. So, like, if they're in a mm-hmm. truck and they get super cold, cold. they're just going to be super cold. It's going to be like playing a black or it's gonna ice. Be like, or in the heat, like, if they're in, like, direct oh. sun, it's going to be, like, playing hot. The nice thing about aluminum is that it's not the best conductor right. of the metal. So, you know, like, that's why you can... You could for sure burn yourself on it if you, like, if you're playing one of those, you know, it's gonna festivals warm and yeah. it's out there in the sun. Dude, totally. Oh, my God. But, I mean, you think about it, like, you can put... You can put aluminum, like you can cook something aluminum in the oven and you can touch that aluminum with your hand still. Yeah. Like it never gets it doesn't get quite hot enough. But th- anyways, that's just sort of one of the minor complaints. Maybe a I've cast iron, it. cast iron guitar. Could yeah, be that'd be real light. <laughs> <laughs> hey, heavy as tone, right? People Sometimes. complain about uh, Les Pauls. I think oh, a cast iron Les Paul would be a little bit of a I played thing. a, um, I played a graphite acoustic one time oh not yeah. graphite what uh, is it carbon fiber carbon fiber yeah thank you yeah rain song perhaps? rain song exactly and i guess it wasn't cheap um those are very expensive yeah the guy who owned it was not a you know he, he made a lot of money so i'm guessing he's blues lawyer yeah he was like an accountant guy who he had like all this cool gear he had the um bogner that i was t- i was talking about mm, with you that i think day. it was an ecstasy maybe a shiva oh shiva yeah, yeah. yeah oh those are so nice and i played bass through it once and i was like oh, i want to keep this thing but um, the cool recording amp. Bogner, Anyways, you know, now that I think about it, I don't believe Bogner has ever made a bass amp. I don't think so. Hmm. I, I, I used the head through that cab quietly. I didn't try to blow it, but I would love to hear that through like, you know, an emperor or like mm. a cool orange mm. cab or something. It sounds cool. Not a lot of wattage though. I think like 30 or yep. something. Um, played that though. And it was interesting, man. It didn't, it didn't sound like, I think those are, those are like, whoa, I Did think I those are like, up? yeah, no, just my headphone. Oh, um, I think those are like, they're not cheap. They're like fifteen hundred, two thousand. Shivas are in the two thousand. No, the uh, the guitar. The oh, rain the song. rain song. Those are also in the two thousand yeah. range or, or up. But they're they're waterproof. Do they not have a truss rod? I think I read that. I don't believe they do. You know who else used the carbon fiber in the necks a lot was Parker guitars. Yeah, Parker and Fly. Parker Fly. Which I have to. I, that's how I know I'm getting old because. I used to think they were the ugliest guitar in the entire world. Yeah. And now I kind of find them charming and, and maybe want one. And they're also 
like four pounds. You gotta love that. Oh, you gotta yeah. love the lightweight. And I mean, I mean, if it's good enough for Adrian Ballou, it's definitely good enough for me. Yeah, I just they're so ugly. The, yeah, they're you know they're 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 unique and they're their own thing. And you're <laughs> I, a tra- I you're, a tra- you're a traditionalist, so that's yeah. th- that's understandable. It looks like a it looks like a like a Telecaster went through like one of those like portals like in the fly. When you, know, like you put like the you mix the wrong thing in the portal, oh, the end, and he Jeff gets all, def- he gets all fly, deformed. Yes. And he comes out and he's like, yeah. "That's what a Parker fly looks like to me." And pun intended, it huh. is. Maybe it's named Flies after do that. Fly. Um, Jeff Goldblum fly. That that's what he so would play. Good. Although Jeff Goldblum is a musician, and I just saw a video of him playing. I think Glastonbury. Like he played plays giant festivals now with his sort of like jazzy. I thought he was in like a jazz thing. band or something. Yeah. Do you know what he plays? Piano. And wow. Sings. That's awesome. Yeah. How can you not love that guy? I mean, what can't that dude do? Are there any YouTube gear channels that you find yourself coming back to? Um, I like, you know what I like the basic of, uh, I like Groons a lot because I'm a vintage guy. Obviously that's my, that's my jam. Um, so for those who don't know, Groons guitars in Nashville Mm -hmm. is one of the most famous, uh, vintage instrument stores and on the planet. And he's one of the only licensed, um, vintage people to do appraisals. I think too, like if you get a Groon appraisal on your guitar, that really helps with the value. Oh yeah. And I mean, he's got to make a lot of money. I, I can't remember. It's something like. $300 $300 just for like cheap. an online appraisal. Like yeah. that might be totally wrong, but I know it. I know that, that I saw the, the number and I was like, wow, that dude. And that funny. is funny. If you think about it, like you can just send him photos of your guitar and he can verify it, but he's the guy. I mean, he's, the he's, guy. he's seen it all. Yeah. And, and I'm sure and, if he and saw owns it all, something weird, he'd probably ask a question. Yep. Um, but I like them a lot, man. And they'll have guests on once in a while who go in there and play and stuff. Um, but hands down, I think reverb's got the best gear videos reverb does great gear videos. they're just they're produced so well they have money behind it the camera the lighting the just the look the aesthetic it's beautiful they have a team of people working on it you know they do yeah and and they all kind of do other stuff too so it's like it's not like they only do videos right. they kind of work in different departments or even some of them work with chicago music exchange mm-hmm. they're, but they're all in the weeds with that crap all day every day and they all love it and you're right it, it looks great and more importantly it sounds great so you can really hear what they're what they're demoing and on top of that i'm not here to like suck reverb's balls right now or anything but on top of that glug, glug, glug. Glug, glug. On top of that, what I actually really love about them and their website and what they do is they also explain how to take a good gear video. Yeah. Like they have whole sections dedicated to like DIY type people. So well, because they're a selling platform when it comes right. down to it. So it benefits them to share that it's, information with yeah. everyone. It's not like the old days where you'd figure out Ooh. some little production technique and then like fucking, you know, change the settings on the console before somebody else got in there so they wouldn't get it right. Or mm-hmm. like there are stories in science where, you know, people would recalibrate the machines so that they wouldn't take proper measurements, all that kind of crap. They share the info, man. They, they put it out there and I love that. You're Me right. Too. I totally love that. I think it's, them. it's, of course, they make money from it, but it's really respectful to do that because I'm the and we're the type of people that we like to know how things are made or mm-hmm. how it's done and, and what's behind it. And why does it look so good? And why is the lighting good? And where do you put, you know, um, where do you put the flash and all that kind of stuff? So, yeah, shout out to Reverb and, and even Chicago Music Exchange. I think those guys are doing a good job. Absolutely. I, I think and it, that's interesting, too, because one of the th- things I was thinking about is that it's not just the retailers like them or i guess i mean they're technically sort of a retailer right like they're more of a marketplace for mm-hmm. sellers but Toman in the uk or in germany there's um the one a show that i've been watching a long time or i guess a channel is uh well it's anderton's in the uk but it was originally on rob chapman's channel chappers and the captain Lee Anderton owns anderton's chappers is this like sort of shreddy guitar player dude but they've been buddies for like a long 10 years making these videos and man like it's really fun to go back because i've been watching it for a long time they're probably the first youtube channel that like i actively watched i would watch youtube videos you know like oh i'm gonna watch some cat videos or whatever yeah. but that was kind of the first channel that i i like, subscribed subscribe to and, and then and you watched. see the evolution of it too and you can go back and see their early videos <laughs> and they look horrible yeah. and i mean that like we can do know. better on a phone now obviously the technology's improved yeah. and everything and people have put more focus on YouTube these days, obviously. But uh, now they're, I mean, their productions are, you know, every bit as good or as reverb. And, and, and I would, I would argue that those types of videos on reverb, those other sites might not exist like they do today. If not for those guys, those like sort of early pioneers mm-hmm. like chappers and the captain that have been doing that stuff. But I was also thinking, so it's not just the retailers, even the, the brands themselves are making really good videos now. Like I have learned so much from universal audios, 
YouTube channel. Cool. Not even just specifically like how to use my universal audio gear, which we are using right now to record this podcast, but even just different concepts and techniques. And it's all very applicable because, you know, they model every, all their plugins are, are modeled on real life hard, not all, but almost all of their pl- plugins are modeled on real life hardware. So we're using uh, an LA 610 preamp right now. That's, mo- that's modeled exactly from the hardware. So by le- learning how to use that software, I now know how to use the hardware, yes. to apply those concepts to any hardware mm-hmm. preamp, right? So I, I personally am a better musician and engineer, whatever you want to call it specifically because of universal audio, a brand. Yeah. YouTube channel. Well, you've gotten more out of it than just the featured product. You're looking at where are the settings on the other thing, or even like the plugin they're using, or or whatever other um, stuff they have hooked up to it too. You know, you might say, oh, maybe I maybe I need one of those mics, or maybe I need you know maybe Dude, I'm using exactly. the wrong cables. You know? Here's the whole chain. Here here is it used in context. I was mm-hmm. just watching a video where they were using one of their channel strip plugins to more um, sort of like simply, but. Uh, I guess accurately and at a higher quality record someone both playing acoustic guitar and singing at the same time. Mm-hmm. And there, are, yeah, of course there are some things in there that I already know, like the different signal flow things, but then I still gained a couple things like, Oh, I guess if I think about like, if I want to add body to the, make the acoustic guitar feel better, I got to look at 110 Hertz. Cause that's kind of where the body tends to live on an, on, on, an, an equalizer for an acoustic guitar. Mm-hmm. There's little things like that, that I've known and maybe done, but never like consciously thought, and now I'm never going to forget if I want more body in an acoustic guitar, I've got to go to 110 hertz. Like, or if I want more air on the yeah. vocal, then you go up to 10,000 hertz, whatever it is. Like, there's yeah. just like these little things that even though they're showing you their product, they're still it's actually the sides, showing you how to make good it's music. It's the details that you can pick up on, you know, actually learn. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, another one that actually I think does amazing work is Ableton, where okay. they, because they're software, and I, obviously we're talking about things that I use. Mm-hmm. And so I watch those videos. But again, it's, it's more, I, I, I do learn very interesting, minute things about the software that I might not have picked up on on my own, even though I've been using it forever. It's also the greater concept of then applying that musically. And okay, so here's how you set up the side chain with this one particular compressor, but then here it is in context. And then maybe this is how you want to duck some of the kick out. So then when you're putting your bass in there, there's room for it. So here's how to do it in our software, but then here's also why that's kind of important and then used in a real world context, which right. you then can apply on your own stuff. Boom couple other ones um, quickly because I know we've been talking about YouTube for a long time. I think that pedal show does amazing work Mm -hmm. specifically for us guitar nerds and pedal nerds. They don't just talk about pedals despite the name. They do talk about pedals a lot, but um, it's kind of like us. We're we're gear hunks. Are they like a podcast? They do have a podcast. They're more of a YouTube. It's more of a YouTube channel, but okay. they also do. I think I've actually never listened to their podcast, but it's like gear review and their YouTube it's all channel. gear stuff, but it's more it's it's not. It's actually not gear review. OK, it is uh, instructional. So it'll be like, uh, I don't even, I don't even know a good example. Here's why you here. Here's how to use a compressor pedal. And then we'll do like an hour where they use all the different compressor pedals and talk, get it all in the, in the depths in depth, but it's not like they're never like, here's the new the boss thing. And so it's almost like a shootout, that. a shootout channel. Yeah. And they do like pick and mix where they just kind of put a bunch of pedals together and play through them. Cool. Different amps, guitars. They have very famous guitarists and builders and such come on. And, and it's, and there's always a, a, an interesting learning aspect because it's two guys and the one guy uh, used to be the editor of Guitarist Magazine. Mm-hmm. Great, they're both great players, but he's much more kind of a Luddite in that he doesn't know the technical aspect of how all the things work all the time. And then the other guy owns Gig Rig, which is um, mostly known for their uh, Gig Rig switcher. It's basically like that boss switcher that I have, but way fancier and more in depth and everything like okay. that. So he knows all of the ins and outs of all the technical stuff. And then when they kind of meet in the middle, kind of like us yeah. uh, then you then you get some really interesting topics and you and, cool. and you also get uh, a wide array of information that is digestible for all users yeah that's important and they just they're both great players they spend a lot of time on getting the sound right so it sounds really good and then i've learned about a ton of different pieces of gear particularly pedals just from that show oh cool um Last one I want to mention, Rick Beato's channel. Okay. Have you watched any of his stuff? No, I haven't heard of him. He's um, a pretty well-known producer type dude. Um, started off as a guitar player, but he's... Have you ever seen that video where it's like a dude, he's kind of got like white hair sitting at a piano, and then he'll play these like really dense chords, and then the little kid's sitting there, and then he has to tell it like he names like, oh, that's a D flat diminished seven with Whoa. an added nine or, one or yeah. whatever. That's his son. So like, wow. he's like taught his son all that kind of crap. Just by ear? 
just by ear. Wow. Yeah. But he's also a super theory guy. Yeah. But he's taught his son like to be able to identify that kind of stuff. He can do it himself, whatever. But he's got this really cool series. He does. He, I like all of his stuff, but he's got this really cool series. They, I think they just un, uh, released their 70th episode of it. It's called what makes this song great. And because he's a producer, he sits there with multi tracks of like Van Halen songs or black Sabbath, or I mean, you name it, he's done probably something from them. Zeppelin, everybody. I don't think he can do the Beatles because of copyright uh, copyright stuff. Um, like he can't even say the Beatles, but <laughs> I'm not joking. They will take it so down funny. or demonetize. Right. Um, but he goes through the multi tracks. So be like, oh, here's the bass part, and then here's why the bass part works in this way, and like, mm-hmm. here's why this part's cool. Here's here's uh, I remember the at the drive-in one I was watching and like listening to the multi tracks in isolation. Wow, that song. It, uh, they were doing one arm scissors. Yeah, yeah. That song is so out of tune. It's yeah, crazy. I think we one. might have talked about this. Well, not on the podcast. Not on the podcast. podcast. Uh super out of tune right but it's like that that turns out to be what makes it cool because when it comes together in this looseness and everything kind of rubbing on each other almost like that you can argue maybe that little out of tune nature makes adds to the tension which the song needs artistically which it has yeah um does he talk about the recording process or is it more just like splitting up the absolutely so i've learned for instance uh from him he uh he also does these a series where he talks about kind of like different mixing techniques from different you know producers so andy wallace always used this one preset on this one it's the yamaha spx spx 92 mm-hmm. and there was always this one preset and he i mean he did like i couldn't even begin to start naming it pretty much like every big rock song in the 90s and 2000s this dude kind of produced it or mixed it and then when you hear it, there's this one preset that he uses on every single bass for every one of the recordings. And then you hear it and it's like, oh my God, that is the sound of those two decades of bass right there. Mm-hmm. So I now know about that preset and like I've been looking for that rack unit, to be honest with you. So yeah, he does talk about the recording chain, talks about the process, the studio, the whole thing. It's oh, cool. super informative, yeah. really digestible. He, you know, So it's either as like accessible as here's what makes this song cool and then now i get to hear you know freddie mercury's isolated vocals or like here's some super intense theory stuff that you want to learn right i love the idea of of trying to get some of the same gear that like from your favorite engineers um or producers and and you kind of replicate that at home i think there's something about that so I think that's that's probably enough on the YouTube thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't, I don't even know add. how long we've been talking about it, but it's been a little while and I think it was good. Um, look for look for our YouTube contributions yeah. in the near future. Good Hopefully open. we've learned some things from them. Dude. So normally we talk about corrections at the top of the episode. I feel like we got way off away from that, but I would like to come back to that because there are a couple things. It's episode like 10, say. man. Any, anything could happen. Up 10. Um, one, the first correction is that I remember in last, the last episode we were talking about um, rock docs, which I want to come back to. Yeah. Uh, but uh, in that episode, I was trying to come up with the name of the movie about Bob Dylan, where it's like all the different actors and actresses. playing yes, him. And yes. I said, I thought it was being there. It is not being there, but I was close. It's called, I'm not there. I'm not there. So definitely check yeah, that one out. Yeah, you blew out. my mind with that, and I haven't had a chance to watch it yet. But you said that's more of like a movie, right? Like it's act, it's actors and stuff. Correct. Yeah, yeah. there's a you know it's that they sort all play of different. Type they thing. all play different uh, parts of his life. Exactly. That's really cool. Um, this isn't so much as of a connect, uh, correction as just a follow up on something we talked about previously. And I sent you the article. It was about uh, Captain Kirk, the uh, dude yeah. from the Roots. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I read that. And I don't have the quote or anything pulled, pulled up right now, but it does turn out that Prince did pay for that guitar that he smashed. Yeah. So, a little background. Prince was on what was whatever uh, show that they're on. Kimmel I always forget. Or, whatever or, late night show The Roots are on. Who's the other guy? Fallon, yeah. Yes, yes, Jimmy Fallon. And he saw Kirk Douglas playing this guitar. was like, I want to play it. Smashed it on stage. We were like, what a what a what a dick move! Yeah, he he really literally just tosses it onto the ground at the end of the song. Right, and so it turns out that Prince did, in fact, as we suspected, pay for it and um, had it repaired, and you know was was apologetic and all that kind of stuff. And we even said we went as far to say that he didn't even s- sign it. He asked him to sign it, and right. Prince was like, "No, fuck you." Right, which <laughs> would may not have what, happened. No, what happened was, and and no, I think we did re- know this at the time. The uh, Kirk tweeted saying i didn't want to ask him to sign it because that's like 
that's like a rewarding your child for acting bad or whatever. Yeah. So that's what he didn't, but they, they, it all, it all ended well. That's so that's basically the, the, the so is, of it. do you know if he's still playing that guitar? He is still playing that guitar. He's neck. got a new solo record coming out. And, uh, he said that guitar is, is the main guitar. I mean, if there. you know anything about neck resets, if it's done well, it can actually be structurally stronger than the original. Absolutely. Piece. I'm not saying it's a good thing, but, and he had, I mean, Kirk, Captain Kirk has a signature Gibson SG, and he said he's still playing this more than even a signature guitar. Wow. So it's just, it's just one of those special pieces. Um, and then, again, this isn't also this isn't much of a correction as it is just kind of a follow up. I saw this product by Daddario, mm. and so we we love to we love to shit on headstock tuners around these parts. Yeah, and yeah. they've got one that I that I saw that I think might be Ooh. a little bit better. Really? It's called, oh, I've got it, the name here. I believe it's called the, the NS Micro Tuner. Mm-hmm. And so it isn't actually a clip. I, I I should have done more research, but in the spirit of this podcast, we don't really yeah, do we that just much. Yeah, make shit up. Uh, it kind of, there's, it somehow adheres to the back of the headstock without clipping or being visible to anyone but you while you're playing it. So you can still oh, have so the contact tuner. You can see it from the back of the headstock. It's not, it's not it's glue not, or anything. It's not glue right? or anything. I can't remember. Or, I don't Maybe know. Maybe it fits into the tuner. It could be somehow. a magnet somehow. I don't know exactly right. the whole thing. But it seemed like you can't potentially, see it. it. You can't see it. And it seemed like a potentially solid middle ground between having to clip a stupid ugly thing on the top of your guitar and, and then pedal. while still wanting to have something that you can see up there yeah. in tune and not yeah not worry about extra cable for a pedal or well whatever. and i think i think the big issue we had with those not only are they really ugly like snark tuners mm-hmm. um you do have issues with audio when you're trying to tune if it's, oh, if you're right. in a large you know Absolutely. if you're playing live i mean that was the issue i had i thought i was good to go I'm like i don't need a, i don't need a pedal for this for this gig and then i sure enough had to tune like you know mid mid uh set and i could not get it in tune and yes, it was sir. because there was too much noise in the in the bar you know so too much conflicting noise wouldn't and recommend. yeah that wouldn't that wouldn't solve that but that's still an inherent a lot better issue. looking i mean well and if you're just like playing an acoustic guitar for yeah, instance and yeah. it's like a, maybe uh you're just like playing on your porch or something yeah. then at least you don't have a stupid ugly that's thing the thing because i don't even leave those like i leave my guitars out at home i don't leave the clips on i just i put yeah. it in a drawer or something. i i don't i also am worried about them leaving a mark yep Yep. I mean, I will put it on like a crappy old guitar. I don't give a shit. Right. But like anything that I play or want to maintain the value, I absolutely would never. Or like how people will clip the capo on top. That's mm-hmm. almost as as bad. I mean, at least a capo is functional. You kind I of hate how that it. looks. But I hate how it looks. Yeah. And, and but I'm pocket. also worried about leaving that that indentation or mark in the finish yeah. of the guitar. Yeah, it's yeah, especially a capo. Those clip, you know, they clamp down really hard. Um we talked about I'm not there. Yeah. Let's head over to uh, Dave's Music Docs. Dave's Music Docs for the week. And what did you watch? Um, I watched some good ones this week. What did I see? Um, I watched a band called Death. Yes. Um, this one's interesting. Uh, it's a beautiful documentary as far as like the 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 story goes. Um, I'm, Give us I'm, a quick run. I'm not going to do a bunch of you know I'm not going to do a bunch of spoilers or anything. But basically, there was a band called Death who was uh, three African American gentlemen from Detroit, I believe. Yep. And they, um, they were brothers, and they formed a band, and the bass player sang, the drummer uh, drummed, and the guitar player played guitar. And he was, a, but he, he, the guitar player wrote all the songs. I know, right? Just to just to clarify that. Well, whenever the bass player sings, it's always like a little bit of like a yeah, because you know, um, that's why I was rushed. I was asking you when you right. saw him live. I was like, oh. So, anyways, uh, long story short, the guitar player who did write all the songs, his name was David. He ended up passing away from lung cancer. Um, I want to say in like the late '90s, early 2000s. And then they didn't play, you know, they didn't play music any of the the two other brothers or even you know really hang out as as that band anymore. They were like, the band's done. David's gone. We're not doing this. Um, the, I want to say around 2008, something like that, it got out on a blog that this band existed. They only ever released two songs. They released a, um, what do you call it? Seven inch, mm-hmm. the A and the B side. And there were two songs and this, this music blog, this record blog, like went nuts for it. And I think they sold, like somebody found one of the 45s and I think they sold it for like seven or $800. That's not surprising to me. Yeah. And, um, that, and this one collector got a hold of it who, who was friends with these guys who have a what do you call it? Like where they make records, you mm-hmm. know, like a record pressing plant, pressing plant. Thank you. And a record label and all that. Um, and what they ended up doing was they got in contact with the two other brothers and they go, 
do you guys have more of these songs? People are going ape shit. We want to release it, but we don't want to do a 45. We actually want to see if you have more songs. We'll do an EP or whatever you got. And they ended up releasing, they had um, like eight songs, I think, seven or eight songs. Yeah. So they end up releasing that. It goes nuts. Everybody, and then what essentially want them to come play again. So yeah. the, the other half of the doc, without spoiling it, is they do find another guitar player and they end up, um, they're touring. So if, I mean, if you were to look them up now, they still, I think they still play. And that's how we both saw them. They do still play. Yeah. You saw them, when a couple of years ago? It was probably, I would guess, 2012. Yeah. There's 2013 foot- maybe? There's footage of them on the dock playing. It might, it was at the Empty Bottle. Uh, right. No, this was after that. This was uh, West, West Fest. Yeah. Yep. I, right after I saw the dock, I saw they were playing there, which I didn't actually get a chance to make it out to, but... Um, great doc. The story is beautiful because, you know, it's, it's, it's really neat when they talk about how they, they hadn't played in since 1978 mm-hmm. together. Right. Well, and that's, I mean, that's truly the interesting thing is that these were three black dudes in Detroit and they may have invented punk music. Like they, yeah. they did, they were kind of doing that sort of early punk gritty guitar. It was influenced by like the same stuff that influenced say the MC five and mm-hmm. the Stooges and that sort of stuff. But they, they're black. Guys. They were black dudes and they sounded like, like what punk was great credited as sounding like with like sex pistols and clash mm-hmm. and stars. They were kind of doing that before a lot of those and dudes. Apparently they refer to him as proto punk. I'm not like, Proto-punk, yeah. Sure. So it's a little more like a little more vocally. Uh, it's got some nice melodies yeah. and everything like that. It's not like, but it's moving in that direction for yeah. sure. Oh, they could play with all those bands, yeah. you know, bad brains and that type of stuff. But it's basically like, you've got, you know, these guys, they, then they tried to be a funk band for a while because yep. they were like, this isn't going to work. So I highly recommend uh, a band called death is the name of the document. Go watch it. Yeah, I agree. Check I, it out. I double, I doubly support that. Um, n- another thing that I want to add to this segment, I'm going to call it the riff library because I read a lot of music books. Great. So might as well get that in there. Um, the one that, and I pulled this one out right here because I wanted you to see it. And I realized maybe we should talk about it on the podcast. This is a, a hardbound book called all known metal bands it's beautifully designed too by the way the the yes the the scroll work and the gold inlay (laughs) and the blue and the the book of course is black now as you might have guessed this book is literally a collection of all known metal bands so every metal band that had existed up until the point this was published maybe five years ago is in this book and it is just a list of all of their names in black in the pages are black, black on black. You can't see this, but the pages are black and the print is black. So here, give That's, it a, give it a little I look-see. Because I didn't open it earlier. The interesting thing is, so, you know, take a band. I can't, I don't even know what. Say Plaguebringer. If there were three documented instances of the band Plaguebringer having existed, there it'll be written three times in that book. Oh, wow. And this is global. This isn't just like the U.S. or something. This is at the time of publishing, the guy who published, I believe his name is Dan Nelson, had done the research and found every every known metal band so and then documented the instances it in are like if like a, a member got replaced or they no it's like if there were multiple bands called oh escape then all five <laughs> escapes will have been put in there wasn't there another band called metallica uh i might have just made that up. i don't believe so but in on the interesting fact about metallica's name is that on their first published recording which was on a, a compilation called Metal Massacre for Metal Blade Records. Uh, Metallica was misspelled. They put, I believe, I, I want to say it was, I don't, I want to say it was C K A maybe. Yeah, it was either awesome. one L or C K. I can't remember now. But yeah, that speaking of expensive records, that original Metal Massacre compilation goes for quite the pretty penny. I have bid on some myself and lost. So this is an awesome book, man. Yeah. It's- so I don't, I don't know if that's still in print. Uh, seek it out if you're a nerd like me and likes. Uh, hardbound books and uh metal but uh it's called all known metal bands all known metal bands. Add, it your, a, add it to your riff library blue and gold cover with some uh what is this like uh what would you call that filigree yeah filigree exactly very cool very cool i love the design it's, it's a it. coffee table book for sure but I, it's been fun to scroll through or scroll through flip through every now and again yeah. and just like find some funny band names and then look them up you know they're probably all online and i somewhere. have absolutely yeah, yeah. i mean I don't know if they all are because, you know, there's probably some tiny little poo butt bands in there, but right. uh, I don't know if Piss River's in I there. I was in a metal band in high school and they kicked me out. Do you think they're in that? If you guys have a presence somewhere where you've recorded something that might be on the, in the mm. world. And I was in the 90s, so like there was Well, nothing. I mean, it has old stuff in there, right. but it's like we never released like if a, you never like played a show or we like We did a recording like, that like would have made it past your cassette deck, be. you know what I'm saying? I didn't even I wasn't even allowed to play bass on it. <laughs> 
yeah, I think they had the drummer play bass or something on it. That's the, how bad it the was. The bassist based and the drummer drummed. That's oh, how, no, wait. The drummer based the and drummer the drummer based and the drummer drummed. One more quick uh, little call callback segment. Band Buds. Yeah. Uh, talk about our friends' bands really yeah. quick. And I wanted to mention the kickback. Because we obviously we had Dan Liu on the show. Mm-hmm. And he is a bass player in that band. But uh, they're playing a show coming no up. Way. So I didn't I know that. I felt like I, we should mention them. Yeah, they're playing the Clipper here in Chicago. The California Clipper. Dude, those guys get cool gigs. Yeah. Man. And that's like not a place that a band like that nor- would normally play. They kind of do more like country. Yeah, there's like folk bands and country folk, bands whatever. there. Yeah. Um, Bluegrass. So that's pretty cool right here in the neighborhood. August 3rd. Definitely going to have to go to that. We'll be there. Is it a weeknight? Do you know what? It's a Saturday. Oh, perfect. All right. That'll be great. I know. We're going to have to have a little hunks outing there. Yeah. Um, great band check them out i know dan mentioned that they were sort of on hiatus mm-hmm. i guess but it sounds like they're playing together we're obviously uh good buds with dan and mm-hmm. then also johnny if we've i forget we've talked about him in the past he's yeah. got a, a new brewery opening up called orkanoi yep um kickback's a cool band i was actually uh in a music video for them that yeah. uh their record label hated and or i don't know if they hated it but they they rejected it and then yeah. wound up not using oh no way yeah so i was like pretty bummed when i found out about that because i thought it was gonna be really cool did you do that like when dan was in the band and everything yeah oh wow yeah they had um i can't remember whose house it was now but they threw this basically a big party where like everyone was, it was supposed to look like the 90s i heard about that yeah and the funny thing about it was that everyone really did dress pretty 90s except if you had just walked in and not known that like and seeing the cameras or whatever you probably would have just thought it was a current party because yeah, that's like in, how people in humble park or in something humble park, yeah. Right. yeah i think it was in logan logan Square. yeah same thing uh and that was it, it was pretty funny. cool except then they had you know like a nintendo 64 set up and like simpsons posters, yeah. like random shit like that but um i guess my my big uh my big fame moment was not meant to be can they put it out themselves like on youtube i you know i've i've tried to pressure dan into doing that in the past and he said he would send it to me and then he never did yeah i want to see it because mm. i'm sure i look great I bet it was awesome. I, I, rem- I remember I wore what I just normally wear, which was like black jeans and say a flannel. But then I just, I cut some holes in my jeans. That was it. That was the big nineties. move. That was my nineties move. And I was like, wait, I look like an H and M model. Just what I, this is just my things yeah. with, with holes in them. So that's the band buds. Go check them out on the internet or August 3rd at the Clipper. Uh, saw dude, there's some, there is some, there is some gear news, not a lot. Mm-hmm. And I, maybe we should talk about gear as this is gear hunks podcast. Uh, summer Nam's coming up, but we already, I already sort of briefly mentioned Nam in the past. Do you know what the dates are? Um, I don't, but I believe it's next week. I feel like we're bad hunks. We should go next year. Dude, that was one of the reasons I want to bring this up is we need to go to Nam. Yeah. Summer Nam is kind of whack. I've been, I've been to both. What's the other one? January or something? It's in January and that's where all the big stuff happens and that's out in California. All the Where's uh, the other one at? Nashville. Okay. So it's Anaheim for summer or for winter Nam. The big one. Uh, summer Nam is in Nashville. It used to be in, they both have been in Chicago. Yeah. McCormick Chicago, or something. But they'll back in the sixties and shit. Oh. <laughs> when like Chicago was, Chicago at one point was basically the gear manufacturing hub mm-hmm. of the country. Right. Like all the country, or all the brands were kind of based here but i thought of it because there's a couple of those like sort of pre-release things that have come out i don't know if you've seen boss has announced a couple things Ooh, i did see a, a looper pedal that they came out with okay so that's one of the things they've got a new and we talked about those uh the new form factor boss pedals when dan was on the show but they've got this sort of like in between it's like not the small size one and it's not the big size one it's kind of in between and the looper fits in the same thing and that one looks cool because i can't remember what it's called it's like rc10s or yeah. some shit like that but it's song based. So my big problem with a lot of loopers loopers is like, Oh, I can just like sort of keep building. But like, as long as I, as long as I only want that one loop playing through the whole song, this is more designed so that you can like set up a couple loops and then like jump to the next part. So then you can like maybe set up a verse oh, and a chorus and go back maybe, and forth. And which of course that is not like a brand new idea to looping in, in any way, but boss makes really solid. I'm sure they made like it that. pretty easy and they streamline it and, and tend to make really high quality affordable stuff. Right. Uh, more affordable so that's coming out but also i saw they've got a new synth pedal coming out Ooh, do you have a name for it sy1 synth and uh it seems to be doing a lot of the thing the same things that a lot of other synth like i feel like there's kind of a trend of synth pedals right now like electro harmonics makes those like mel 9 c9 b9 um keely makes a synth pedal electro harmonics of course 
makes a synth pedal. But now this boss one's very similar where it's like, you know, it, it really handles monophonic stuff really well. A lot of, I think maybe 16 different sounds. The thing I like about this one also is it has a blend. So it doesn't have to be just all synth or just all guitar. You can kind of work it in. Mm-hmm. It sounded pretty convincing in the, the, I watched like a two minute, you know, teaser demo for it. Um, and it's one that I'm going to check out for sure because I'm always looking for a good synth sound. Yeah. Yeah. So that's coming summer Nam, but really I wanted to bring that up because I just want to say we're going to go to fucking, we got to go. We're going to go fucking, we got to do go. some gear hunks shit. I, plus I've never been to California. Whoa, dude. So, all right, take me there. Let's see today. The recording of this, we're recording this on July 12th. We've got about six months to figure this out. I got to save up some money, save up some cash. Let's we got to get some passes because it's not open to the public. It's only right. open to the public on, I believe Sunday, the last day. It's like a four day thing. Let's try to use our gear hunks. Cred. So we've, we're pressed now, buddy. Yeah, dude. Uh, we're gonna have to get out there. All right, we'll send them like lock a little, it in. We'll send them a bouquet. Let's commit, with our let's logo. commit to it right now. We're right. planning on it. We're, we're going. going. We're going to Winter Nam 2020. See ya. It's in San Jose, right? It's in Anaheim. Anaheim. See you in Anaheim, dude. So, and this is what I did the first time I went. Went with my good friend John Ozaxa. We were coworkers and bandmates at the time. Did Nam. Rented a car. That was actually kind of a neat story because we were like, I don't know, maybe 23 or something like yeah. that, and. uh went out to nam like for work then rented a car we were gonna just rent whatever cheapest like crappy thing they had they didn't have our car when we went there so they gave us a uh charger oh really so we drove to la in a charger and had that for the whole weekend it was just, like early 20 we like thought we were so yeah, cool so badass and the like, partying but that we'll, we'll have to do that's what we're gonna do we're gonna right, go to anaheim we'll go to la we'll do the thing yeah we got to do more stuff like that because that it's also good for content and we get the we'll name have to have there. t-shirts made by that point so 100%. we can wear our own t-shirts yeah uh, some sort of sticker business card yep. type situation. Yep, I'm into it. We've got goals. Summer Nam, now goals. Winter Nam. Um, I also saw there's a new signature Rickenbacker. What? That it's a 4003. A base. Yes. So it is for um, I don't I can't pretend like I would have remembered his name if I hadn't seen this article. His mm. name is El Cisneros, hmm. and he is the bass player in um, Sleep. And oh, Ohm, okay, both cool. of those bands, and it's basically kind of like it looks like a four thousand three, but then it's it's a, oh, it's uh his name's El Cisneros, the four thousand three AC is the model, oh. uh, and it kind of has like sort of like weed green inlays and <laughs> stuff like that. I was gonna say, what makes it different? Dude, I should have sent it to you. I wish you would have seen this beforehand. And do you have a link right gonna, there? I do, but like you know, we're not we're gonna, not gonna, gonna do, do that, that shit, dude. Um, we can always uh, defer to the. There's a new signature department. Rick, and it looks pretty stoned, and I love it. That's awesome. Is and it I, um? Yeah, the oath. Okay, so four thousand three. Yeah, what color is it? Uh, dude, I'm just telling you, we're we're not gonna do this thing where we bring stuff up. Don't pull it up. No, I I'm know. just asking I if you remember. remember. I, I I know that green was. I want to say it was. I want to say it was maple glow. Yeah, with like green inlays. That's kind of cool. There was like there were some weird things about it, but mostly yeah. I just want to bring it up because I think sleep is awesome. And yeah, I love Matt Pike and High on Fire and all that stuff. And now there's a signature four thousand three for you to check They're out. They're like a doom band or something, right? I would say they're stoner metal. Yeah, stoner metal. Yeah. I always mix those two up. Yeah, they're. I mean, we're talking about shades of gray or shades of green, I suppose. In this <laughs> instance, dude, the best the best sleep story uh, is that they. I can't remember if it was. I think it was their for the album Dope Smoker. They were given in advance by the record label, and it was something like. I want to say fifteen thousand dollars to make this record. Right. And what they did was they went out and bought. So before. It was orange. There was a company, Mad Amp, of course, right? And then they and then they became green. They bought. They went out and just bought green amps, stacks of green amps. Oh well, that's fifteen thousand within <laughs> then, the four amps, and then spent the rest on weed. Yeah, I was gonna say there probably wasn't much left over. <laughs> wow, but that is the perfect uh, sort of illustration. And I, I think Dope Smoker or Jerusalem, I guess whatever you want to call it. There's I'm not gonna tell the whole story, but um, I think it's it's amazing. And if you're at all interested in stoner rock yeah. metal stuff, go listen to the original. Because so they made the record, the record label rejected outright. It was one, I think, 74 minute song. Oh wow! And they were like, no. And then, and then so they're it, like, this is our single, right? And so the, <laughs> no, they like chopped it up. They released it as. I'm, I'm, I was like I'm separate skipping tracks. It, up. it was. I think they. I think they chopped it up and then released it as Jerusalem. Anyways, yeah, I might have flipped that. Um, but then uh, years later it was released properly with like just full one, wow. one, one song and it's awesome. I, I got to listen to that. You know, I, I've never gotten into the stoner metal or the, or the doom rock or anything, but I have to say 
those guys have the coolest gear of pretty much any group of musicians in the world. Because they, they play it so loud. They all use like super high wattage tube amps, old orange, yep. old meta amp. I mean, that's just sun, sun, emperor. Varelin, oh, emperor was huge yeah. in that world for sure. Um, I'm a big fan. I want to be like, you know, I've heard some of it, obviously. Yeah. I haven't like ever sat down and listened to records, but I want to be like the guy who has all that gear, but I don't really dig Dude, that music. You know? Listen to Dope Smoker. Cool, I will. I've heard of that before, yeah. actually. So You are a dope smoker. Yeah. Uh, and then just one last piece of news. Uh, I noticed, and I thought this is a freaking awesome idea. I'm a big Stu Mac fan. Uh, for those that don't know, Stuart McDonald is probably the most respected or most used name in like guitar luthiery repair, mm-hmm. instrument repair, that sort of stuff. Great catalogs. Great catalogs are kind of like the, you know, whatever, Hamaka Schlemmer or something like yeah. wish list type thing yeah. for us like nerds that like to build things and fix things. They just came out with, and they also make great videos, I have to say. Uh, Dan Erlewine, the main dude there, is like my Jesus. Um, but they just released, they're called Stumac Upgrade Kits. And there are two of them. And they're basically skits, skits, kits specifically designed for your Squire Strat. Okay. So you buy, there's two different ones. And, and it's and it's like, here are the things that if you buy like the cheapest shitty Squire yeah, Strat. $80 Affinity or something like exactly, that. Exactly. Buy this kit and now all of a sudden you've got a great player. Really? So, there's, so what's in the kit? So the first one is, I want to say it was like 110 bucks, And it's really simple. It comes with... Locking tuners, which are the cheapest thing mm-hmm. on there. Uh, not the whole bridge, but the bridge saddles. Just the saddles. Like yeah, because I guess you don't really need to saddles. replace the, the, the actual plate itself. Yep. And then string trees. Okay. So all of a sudden you've got a much better sounding and more importantly, tunable. Does it come instrument. with like a new nut or anything like no, that? No. So this one's just, it's just, oh, like this is like a package, bucks. like package one. Right. And then there's two, which is that plus, uh, Three golden age single coil pickups. Yeah, I was gonna say they got out and a the electronics. So like pots, pots, jacks, capacitor, wires. Nice. And that one's maybe like three hundred bucks. Which that actually, I was like, mm, that felt a it's, bit expensive it's, to me. Yeah, it's tricky like with the pickups and stuff. But again, if you're a beginner, that's a great idea because, like, I know you know. Okay, well, with a Strat, I need two fifty k pots. I need this kind of capacitor, right. whatever. Nobody knows what a Pico Ferret is when you're buying a Squire. So, like, right. it's like, oh, I've got this guitar that I like. I can pe- spend 100 to make it s- play better. Or I can spend 300 to make it sound and play better. Well, yeah. And, it, like, if, if, if you've had it for a couple years already, what's the, you know, what's the $100 that you spent on it or that your parents bought it for yeah. you a couple years ago? Throw throw totally. the nice package on it, upgrade it. I mean, especially if you like it. You know, you like the color. Maybe you like the way you it looks. You bonded with it. It feels yeah, good. Yeah. Honestly, I do feel like the pickup one is maybe a little overpriced. A little I think high. You do a bit better. Yeah. But for 110 bucks for the tuners, for the bridge uh, saddles and the string trees, I mean, if I were to try to part that out, I could save a little bit of money, mm-hmm. but that's a great deal for a beginner. It's nice, too, because you know that stuff's going to fit with the Squire. It's, you know... Exactly. Um, you don't you have don't to know. worry about reaming out the peg heads, which I had to do for Cappy's guitar. Yeah. Or the, the tuner holds on the peg I had head. a time where the um, the pickups didn't fit, because, like, the routing size exactly. was Exactly. You know? Yeah, so they know that with these Indonesian-made, wherever they're made yeah. now, guitars, the, these are the uh, metric instruments right. or uh, measurements that are going to work. Like, this is what you need. Oh, that's They've cool. I, I like hardware. that they're trying to do that, man. And, like, um, we've talked about this before, but there's bands like Diarrhea Planet, you know, where they they just thrash on like squires and stuff but like for them you know they could just do an upgrade or they'll just buy it and trash it and never play it again but well um, and i mean let's talk i mean kurt cobain or or as we know i'm kurt cobain kurt um (laughs) he was known for that like playing just like shitty guitar so on stage so then he could smash them every night and not worry about it you know he still had a couple that he liked that he would record with so there's there is one one more thing i want to talk about i know we've we've been kind of running for a while here yeah huge episode 10 but uh you sent me a link I don't know when, when was that a couple days ago yeah. we were talking about that um, something going on on the old gear page what was, what's going yeah, on yeah no I, I frequent a, a website called talkbase.com sometimes um, oh it was talkbase not gear page right yeah Sorry. yeah similar yeah um, you know what here just to, to, to kind of preface it I used to go on this thing I've learned pretty much a lot of the knowledge I've gotten about like vintage guitars and old fenders even though like most of the people on that page aren't into vintage stuff a lot of people are into like newer stuff mm-hmm. and everything um, I've learned a lot on there because on based on talk base on talk base. So like the point of talk base was, and I always thought about this with forums in general is that if you post misinformation, somebody will come along and correct you. Hopefully that will be, unless it just goes That's unseen. kind of like Wikipedia, right? Same yeah. Unless concept. it goes unseen. Like, yeah, in, at the end of the day, everything will kind of work itself out. Right. Somebody posted a um, beautiful uh, single coil 
um, I guess it, you'd call it the, the 51 reissue precision bass, but it was in the Paisley finish, like the, like the guitar I mm-hmm. have, which is absolutely super rare, super hard to find. And they started doing them in the nineties, but they went all the way through the two thousands. I think they can still reissue them now. And this was Japanese. It's a Japanese made. Yeah. But it's, um, it's big distinction. It's made in, made in Japan versus crafted in Japan. Right. So what, what year did that So happen? in 1996 is when they really started rolling out crafted okay, in Japan. I'm glad there was you a mix. That. Yeah. There was a mix over. I looked it up because I wanted to see like how, weird this was but anyways um this person posted about the space and they're super happy with it and they got it and they're like it's a 1994 um you know paisley precision base basically mm-hmm. single coil super in that awesome. 51 it's telecaster 51 style. telecaster style reissue um really really cool little single coil pickup you know people love what do those things go for um they're not cheap they're like you know even like the the 2000s ones are like in the you know a thousand dollar range. Okay, so they still make them. Yeah. Um, or they they made them I think for a they, while. Yeah, they made them for a while in the early two thousands. I'm not sure if they still make them right now. I don't now. think I've ever seen one of those. They're beautiful. I mean, they're really cool looking. Um, they're kind of lame too because it's like this bright pink guitar. You know? I don't think that's lame. I love pink guitars, man. I, I do too. I'm into it, especially when it's like. I mean, you've seen my paisley. Yeah. It fades from like a pink to a strawberry yeah. to an orange. Sometimes it's really a, a cool metallic paint job. Anyways. Um, they, they switched to craft in Japan in, in 96, 97, and they started over with the serial numbers. So okay. like, you know, I don't know if they started with a, but are those E series still? No, the E series was eighties. Oh, eighties. Okay. Yeah. So anyways, in the nineties, they did this system where they had like, you know, like a Q in the nineties, um, would have been a made in Japan Q serial number would have been a 94. Um, but a crafted in Japan with a Q serial number would have been a 2002 to 2004. Okay, sure. So if that makes sense, yeah, right? Yeah, absolutely. So it's pretty easy to look that up, you know, and it says crafted or made right on the back. Well, this person, po- you know, they were like, I got this new bass. I'm super excited. And everyone's like, cool bass, man. Like, da, da, da. And they're just, you know, it's just people being like, that's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. And this guy comes along and he's like, you know, that's actually not a 94. It's a 2002 to 2004. Mm-hmm. And the person got like really offended. And they were like, no, it's a 94. The person I bought it from said it's a 94. Um, I looked up the serial number and, it, and the Q serial says it's a 94. But it was Sige, not Midge. But it's a Sige and not a Midge. And he's, he goes on to try to explain that. And then what happened is all these people started dogpiling on this guy for trying to give accurate information and being like, hey, man, why don't you just get out of here with your like negative energy and stuff? And like, I, I, she was like, no, I, I looked it up. You know, I know all this. I know what it is and you don't know anything and like, you know, shut up and get out of my thread and like all this stuff. And I'm like, see, it changed a lot, man. Cause I, I took a break from talk base. I couldn't take it after a while. Mm-hmm. It was just a lot like people nerding out like really, really hard. Right. Yeah. And I used to go there to learn things. I could, I could Google something in there or kind of search for it in a thread. And if you found it, somebody would ultimately, the cream would rise to the top. So like the, the right answer would always be at the end, you know, especially when you're learning about vintage stuff, mm-hmm. cause it hasn't changed. It's always been the same. Um, so the point is, I, I don't know where this thing ended, but like this guy was like, no, I'm not trying to be a dick, but like this, I'm, you're just misinformed. It's a crafted in Japan, which means it's not a nineties. It's actually a two thousands. And she just wouldn't hear about it. And everybody was like, dog. Dude, you, gotta, you gotta send me this thread. Cause I want to yeah, read this. It's really funny. And, and they're like, yo, you're being a dick, man. Like, what's your problem, dude? And he's like, I'm not being a dick. Like, I'm just telling you, you're, you're misinformed. Mm-hmm. And wouldn't you want to know if you had a, a 94 versus a 2004 or a yeah. 64 versus a 74? So what's changed for me a lot is the fact that they were looking past what this guy has proven to be the truth. And they're just like, nope, don't want to hear it because it's well, unsensitive. Wasn't there, wasn't there a, didn't they switch back to Sige at some now point? They're, no, they're making, um, they're making Made in Japan again now. Oh, now it's Midge again. Right, right, yeah, sorry. it's Midge again, but they have a whole different serial system. They do. I think they put like an R or something. Yeah. It's why a, do they change? Why do they change that? I don't know. And I, I do know there's a lot of overlap and stuff, but not between 10 years. You're yeah. not going to find a discrepancy. Now, to be fair, the finish on the on the guitar, on the bass that they posted, it looks very similar to mine that's from the 80s, which mm-hmm. in the 2000s, they changed the way it was painted. It looks totally different. It's more of like a spray-on thing. So is like, it is it a... Is it actually painted or like what's, how does the Paisley work on there? Is it like a, is it like a printed thing that so, they seal in there? So it's really cool actually. In the sixties, they made a Paisley Telecaster and yeah. they did a Telecaster base. Right. They used legit cloth Paisley right. fabric yes. okay. and they put a clear coat over it essentially. And then like sort of like a, like burst. And a burst. Yeah. The they outside. burst it with pink. Um, and then, so that was how they designed that. And then in the eighties, they reissued it, which is like the strat that I have mm-hmm. where they did the same process, but they didn't use cloth. They used, um, like a, almost like a wallpaper, like a yeah, metallic totally. wallpaper, um, or a, a foil like type of paper. And now they just spray it on with like a, it's like, you know, printed on from a computer. Do basically. they still make the Paisley stuff? Yeah. 
Yeah, oh, it just I doesn't look. That. It looks way different now. Yeah. Like the pinks are totally different. It's it's really easy if you're looking for like a specific year to identify which one's which because they've changed so much. And I was just like, dude, I gotta say that's very surprising to me because yeah. I spent so much time on message boards in my life. Yeah, and and I've been on a few where there is a very sort of supportive community where people look out for each other. Hundred percent. But in my experience with places like, well, I was thinking more like Gear Page or Gear Sluts back in the day, like. People are just kind of assholes Dude, on those things. Brutal. So like I'm it's surprised and like not in a good way, not like oh like I'm funny, just like shitty troll type people. Uh-huh. So it's surprising for me to hear that like it, it the culture has shifted so much that yeah. it it isn't like that. Like I that's why I really want to re- I want to see this thread to see what happened. Yeah, it, it's it not like it's not me. like super drama, but yeah. the point is the facts weren't coming through because all these all these people were like you know, get out of here, man. Like guy with the truth. Like we don't want to hear it. We just want to like congratulate this person on what they bought, which is yeah. another thing. I mean, it's nice. Got, to be like, yeah. Hey. You want to, especially if, if they're like a newer player or like with women, I mean, I want more women to be in music. So yeah. like whatever we can do to kind of make it more hospitable for them is cool, but not at the, uh, you know, cost of, of actual fact, misinformation, or, or misinformation. And, and if, and if this person did buy a two thousands base thinking it was from the nineties, I'm guessing it's not as valuable. So they might've gotten ripped off. Maybe you want to go talk to that person yeah. and like, get your fucking money back. Yeah. Maybe that, or maybe you just want to like let people know what to look for, you know? Yeah. So like I said, I always went on that website for information and it's not really that anymore. And I gotta be honest, man, I'd, I would probably get a little defensive too. If, if like, you know, I found out something wasn't what I thought it was. Fuck yeah, dude. Um, especially if you paid a, a pretty penny or, or you're, you know, you're, to you that pre- what okay so like that base maybe say it was a thousand dollars to that person could have felt like ten thousand dollars yeah based on it might have been they might have saved for six months have. for that exactly. yeah you so i i i yeah i agree man i think that's a that's a a good distinction to but make but it's a tough maybe, one and i, I think big, but ultimately you should want to know i think well you should want to know and the big takeaway is if you ever decide to resell it you have to know what you're selling it for because then you'll just look bad if they go if they go well that's not a 94 that's a 2002 yeah like, and i even look bad you'll look like a, a look like you're fraud. trying to scam somebody yeah yeah so you know pass on good information i hope the you know i hope the forum world comes back around a little bit because we need those assholes we need people who are going to correct people if they're wrong I, I think that's important you know yeah for sure i mean you don't necessarily have to be an asshole no. about the way you do it but right. because that and then if you are it's going to be a lot harder to get someone to actually listen to you probably a lot of times too but yeah. also yeah the, i mean if you've got the if you've got the real information find a way to get that out there so that um yeah. it can get out to the world and to the people that need it yeah man that's my piece that's your piece. Well, speaking of peace, I think it's time for us to say peace. All right. Well, uh, episode 10, man. 10. Good deal. Double digits. See you guys. Peace.